Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to share a little bit of news. I'm thrilled to tell you that I am now officially a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. That means I'll be collaborating with the Evergreen team, and they'll be helping to distribute, market, and get the word out about my podcast. I couldn't be more excited. And now let's get to the episode. I've had some parents request that I provide some help and resources to help their teens with learning differences who are planning to attend college. I'm fortunate to have crossed paths with an expert in this field, and she's joining me today in this episode. My guest is Debbie Chinquamani of Guide US Educational Services. Debbie specializes in working with students with learning differences, an area of college counseling that is vastly underserved. She is passionate about finding every student the school that is their best fit. In this episode, Debbie and I talk about when and how to begin the college planning process, how the landscape of college admissions is changing, and the importance of finding a school that is truly the best fit for your teen. Debbie provides valuable advice for parents about determining your teen's college readiness and why it's so critical for teens to be authentic when writing their college essays. There's something here for just about every parent. So let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. Through interviews with industry experts and leaders in education, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. This is a conversation that I know some of my audience is looking forward to because I've actually had people reach out to me and ask me questions. Um, Parents of students who are facing learning differences um, are really feeling the stress and are super concerned about how they're going to get into college, what colleges are best for them, how they're going to get resources once they get to college. And I know that you're an expert in this area, so I'm super glad to have you today. But before we get started, if you just want to give a brief intro, who you are, what you do, um, that would be great. Sure. Uh, so I am a independent college counselor located in Bergen County, New Jersey, Uh, Before that, I was actually a school counselor for nine years. I worked as a school counselor, traditional school counselor, as well as a college counselor for one high school that I worked at. So I've been kind of on all sides of the table. And um, I love the the aspect of college, college counseling. And that's why I decided to start my business. I've been doing this for uh, about 16 and a half years since I was pregnant with my son, who's 16 and a half now. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, help students with the college admissions process and, uh, you know, essay editing, uh, working with finding the right college fit and all that good stuff that goes along with, uh, the whole college process. 
Yeah, and it's quite a process as I'm learning as the parent of a 16-year-old as well, 16 and a half, in fact, Mm -hmm. um, so much in common, Jersey, (laughs) 16-year-old, I'm finding out I'm a little overwhelmed. There's so much to know, so much to think about, so much to plan for. Um, And then again, I'm hearing from parents whose kids are facing challenges um, based on learning differences. They don't even know where to start. So I have a lot of questions and, you know, we'll go through some of them, but any advice or suggestions you have along the way for parents would be super helpful. Um, So let's, let's start with high school, right? So high school juniors, in fact, so they're thinking about college or whatever career they're thinking about. They think they want to go to college and they don't know how they're going to be able to, first of all, get into a college of their choice and then succeed there. Where do they start? So I would say the most important part of starting the process is, you know, thinking about it on the early side, but not too early. I mean, I would say, you know, I've had calls sometimes from eighth grade parents. I think that's a little too early to start, but, you know, for a student who's interested in something or a particular major, you know, start doing the research. And also I think the conversations about, uh, that the family need needs to have, which is so important, is what's realistic financially for the family in terms of making this investment. So it's finding the right school for the student, you know, and why is it the right school? So really looking at their environment in high school and how they're successful in high school, in particular for students who have learning differences. So, you know, it's such a huge spectrum in terms of, you know, what that looks like. You know, you could be a student who just has a 504, gets a little bit of help, extended time with the testing, maybe separate location, or you could be a student who has a much more comprehensive program in high school where your child is, um, you know, getting a tremendous amount of support, either in a collaborative classroom with a regular ed and a special ed teacher or, you know, even a step further, a student who is totally immersed in, um, you know, like a special ed uh, modified program. So really that will determine what kind of college and, you know, what kind of experience that, you know, your child needs. Okay. So are there programs or are there databases that can help you figure out um, schools that are that have services or that are more catered toward students with learning differences? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things on the internet. This is just something that I've been researching for many, many years and really digging into. So there are schools that, you know, are known to have specific learning uh, programs. Like for example, the university of Arizona has their famous salt program and uh, you actually have to apply to that program And it's really a very comprehensive support program in the college. So it allows students to be at a big university, have the big university experience, and then have the support of a program. They actually have a, have their own building. They have a lot of technology. So those are the programs that are more well-known, but I also really believe that there are certain colleges where students would thrive that may not necessarily be in a book or on the internet in terms of, you know, a great school for a student with learning differences. So that's really where, you know, you really have to dig or, you know, work with someone who who knows about this. But 
I would say, uh, you know, sometimes a smaller school environment tends to be um, a better fit for students with learning differences because it does, it may parallel the uh, experience that they have in high school, right? So a little bit more personalized attention, a little bit more one-on-one, and those kinds of learning environments tend to be where students may thrive, uh, you know, while in college. Okay. So before they get to college, they have to actually, well, they start choosing a college and then they have to actually get accepted, right? So the big, the big question is always the essay, right? They have to be able to write the essay and, and they also have to have the GPA and the grades and, um, well, that is the grades and SAT scores and all that. But for kids who struggle with writing in particular, or don't do well on standardized tests, are there other avenues or other things they can do to stand out um, if they're not strong in those areas? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, you know, this is a very unique year with COVID. And what I've, you know, I've seen something I've never seen before in my history of, you know, 20 something years of doing this, where, uh, you know, almost every college in the country was SAT optional, uh, you know, or, you know, either didn't require the SATs or, you know, it was an option to send them. And I believe that opened up so many doors. Um, you know, students who have learning differences tend, you know, not to do as well on standardized testing. However, that doesn't mean they don't do well in the classroom. So in terms of standing out, yes, you know, every student can, you know, play sports or do some volunteer work or get involved in an extracurricular activity that they feel passionate about. You know, my son loves basketball, so he uh, he's a junior also. And, you know, the last couple of years, <clears throat> he's been volunteering with a program with uh children with autism who play basketball. So, you know, I always, there's, I don't believe in, I always say this in any kind of cookie cutter, you know, oh, students should do this or that, but it's really what they love to do. And that's how they stand out. You know, they're passionate about certain things. If they play tennis or they, you know, play a musical instrument or whatever it is, and honestly, it could be a part-time job that they work at. You know, I work with a great girl this year who works at a Chick-fil-A and, you know, her essay was about one of her essays was about working at the Chick-fil-A and the nuances of that. And, you know, the soda machines and, you know, so, so it's really, I, it's so important that no matter who you are as a student and no matter what your, you know, differences are, sometimes those differences can be, you know, very unique. So in terms of standing out, it's, you know, yes, there's absolutely so many ways that a child can stand out. And, and I, and I know I'm going on and on, but as a counselor, that's one of the things that I love with working with students is to really bring out what those, you know, unique, unique things about the child is and, and let the colleges see that and, you know, brag about it and be excited about. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I've talked about this with other guests too. It's all about the authenticity and the uniqueness because to your point, you could write an essay that has nothing to do with something that you're really interested in or passionate about. And I just think that's going to come through. I think if it's not true and it's not authentic to who you are, again, no matter what your difference is, or even if you don't have 
you know, any kind of learning challenge, um, I think it's important to just be who you are. So that's great advice. Um, what about um, for students that are, you know, gifted and still struggle with whatever, what maybe it's ADHD or dyscalculia, um, how do you help those kids be challenged, but also face those differences and, and, and manage those, I guess is the right word. Um, I mean, are you talking about in, in particular finding the right college for them, for those kinds of students? Yeah, right college, right program, uh, right path, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I mean, you know, I primarily work with students with the college, you know, admissions process, trying to find the best college fit for them. So, it, you know, similar to the student who has learning challenges, you know, it's funny. So my younger son is similar to that kind of child. You know, he's more on the gifted side and he, uh, you know, sometimes feels bo bored in school. So it's really just trying to, you know, really know your child, you know, this through this whole process, working with children that have learning differences is really as a parent, really knowing who your kid is and also for your child to know who they are too. Uh, one of the things I recommend, um, if your school does not do this, you could request your child. So let's say your child has an IEP. You can request your, uh, to your school for your child to come to the IEP meeting because it's very eye-opening for a child to sit at a table. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable, but <laughs> to sit at a table with a group of teachers who can speak about your you know, son or daughter in a way that, you know, they may not even see themselves. So, you know, we all learn from each other. Child, your child can learn about who they are as a student from the teacher. So it's really important to know who your child is and then can they succeed, you know, in the next step. So, you know, if your child is really gifted and just needs some, you know, help with organization or executive functioning, you know, there's, you know, they also may thrive in maybe a school that's, you know, maybe needs a little more intellectual stimulation, but then they also need that help with organization and support. And so sometimes a school will provide that and sometimes uh, families can get that on the outside. So I have seen families hire companies that specialize in working with, you know, children for more on the organization piece for college, like almost like an outside tutor, like someone they would meet with on a weekly basis to or a monthly basis just to get them, keep them organized through the process. Okay. So, you know, I think one thing or point to think about, right, if you have a child who has, you know, tutors every single day, and you know, a, a handful of people working with them in high school, I don't, you know, it's not like when they go to college, you know, the the slate <laughs> is wiped clean and they, you know, they don't need all of that. It's really important to understand that the kind of learning environment that they're in right now needs to somehow be reflected in college. So, you know, it can't go from, you know, a hundred to zero, but it really is important for a family to say, okay, well, he's had so many tutors and he's had this kind of hands-on help, you know, he's going to need some of that because I, I'll never forget a, there's a great counselor uh, that one said to me, you know, college work is college work is college work. So, you know, college work is hard and, you know, your child needs to be able to do the work while in college. So it's really important as a family to assess whether or not the child is, you know, college ready and can handle it. Okay. 
And is how do you assess that? Is it just based <laughs> on what you said? You know, well, we know you have a tutor, so you're going to need help. Or, But is there more than that? Are there questions you can ask or any tips you can give in that area? I mean, usually for me, you know, I'll when I meet with a family, I can look at a child's transcript. I talk to them about what kind of program they're currently in. Similar to what I said in the beginning of the conversation about, you know, are they in a modified program? Are they doing, you know, college prep work while in high school or is their curriculum significantly watered down? If they, if it is, then, you know, that might be something that, you know, a family needs to understand that maybe they, you know, maybe they need to do a community college for a semester or maybe just test the waters before you make a big financial investment, right? It's an emotional investment. It's a financial investment. Um, you know, and it, sometimes it does work and which is amazing, but I've seen a lot of students over the years that have transferred for many reasons. So emotional, the work has been too hard. So I think if you could set your child up for success from the beginning, um, you know, establish routines, uh, you know, did your child have routines? Do, do they do the homework on their own or do you always have to prompt them to do it? Um, you know, you know, not, and I'm not an ideal parent by any means, but I will say one thing I do put on my children is that their schoolwork is their job. And so it's their responsibility. So, you know, I work and, you know, I work full time. We all work full time here in my house. So, that's their job. And so if they don't, you know, accomplish their work, it's different if they they need, they have trouble comprehending it, that, you know, we'll get them help. And, you know, but if they, if it's like missing a homework and all of that is, uh, you know, in my, it's not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's just my own, you know, parenting philosophy. So, because when they're in college, you're not going to be able to call them or be in the room with them every day and say, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. So it's, you know, as a parent, I think you really need to be realistic about knowing what your child can handle and knowing, you know, if they can rise to the occasion in a college environment, you know, with all the other things that come along with the college experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think as parents, we do tend to, you know, if their alarm doesn't go off, we wake them up. If they have something coming up, you know, a big test at school. And I've been... me in particular, now that both of mine are in high school, I've been working really hard not to helicopter, you know, not to be right there. And, and I, cause I want them to learn the consequences of their actions or lack of action now, because the stakes, while they feel high in high school are nothing compared to the stakes in college in the real world. So, um, but it's hard. I'll, I'll admit it. I mean, I, I keep saying it's on you. It's your responsibility. But every once in a while I go in when that alarm doesn't go off. So I <laughs> yes. got to work on, I got to work on that. No, we all do. I mean, and it's hard and, uh, you know, I'm also a mom of boys. So, um, <laughs> I love my boys, but sometimes boys, uh, you know, can they all, they all have their challenges. So, uh, but yeah, so, you know, trying to maybe, and as they get older, you know, each year, maybe giving them more responsibilities, you know, each year, uh, to, to, uh, help, you know, I felt, I found that my, um, my 11th grader had a summer job where he was a camp counselor this past summer. And I really feel that that gave him so much, uh, you know, 
it was, it was enlightening, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, working long hours outside all day, you know, with COVID, he had to wear a mask and he had, he, he actually had a special needs child in his group. And so it was really amazing to see him really, um, for, you know, he had some tough days, but really how he evolved from that. So really, you know, putting your child in experiences that you think that they, they could handle, or maybe just to push them a little bit, uh, into experiences that you think will help them from a growth perspective as well. I'm glad you brought up the summer job because I want to get your input on this. I know I feel pretty strongly about this and I say it a lot. I think every kid needs to have at least one job in high school, even if it's Chick-fil-A, you know, not that there's anything wrong with Chick-fil-A, but like <laughs> fast food or summer camp, whatever it is. Yes. Um, and I just think there many kids are so their schedules are so locked up between mm-hmm. academics and sports and clubs and everything else that, well, I don't have time for a job. Well, I just think it's so important. Would you agree from a college yes. admissions perspective? I Yes. College admissions love when students work. Uh, you know, they do. And, and I agree with you 100%. I think it's so good for them for all the reasons you said and more teachers' responsibility you know, someone else that they have, you know, mom, mom and dad aren't there, you know, telling them what to do, Uh, you know, getting a paycheck and Mm -hmm. having your own money. There's really something amazing about that. I mean, I can remember in high school, I worked three jobs, uh, you know, part time because I got out of high school, like I had a half day. So I was able to, um, you know, work and, and I just think it teaches so much for, for a student real uh, responsibility, and I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's such a such a great thing for students. And, um, you know, especially if a child, you know, for all students, but a child with learning differences, if let's say a parent is more involved in helping them with their organization skills and helping them with, you know, their homework and all of that, this is an opportunity for the, the child to, to, to really be more, you know, learn independence. And that's so important in college, you know, they're really going to need that, uh, that skill set. So let's talk about college because college in the world of COVID, because, um, I'm hearing from a lot of parents too, that they're trying to do college visits and some campuses Mm. are open and some aren't, but college visits sure don't look like they did looked, you know, even two years ago or even a year ago, how, especially if you have a child with learning differences, how can you kind of vet out that school? I mean, I know there's lots of stuff online, but you can't have a face-to-face with like student services or what kind of suggestions do you have on that? So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, It's, I love to do college visits and what I do is in my off season, I try to visit campuses every year and, you know, it's disappointing that, you know, this past spring, I really wasn't able to do any visits, but on the the silver lining of that, I really feel that the colleges have done a great job in, uh, you know, having these virtual tours. And I really feel they're almost more accessible than they've ever been before. I do find them to be super helpful and not just a college tour that's recorded on a website, but actually signing up for like a college information session. Mm. I find those to be very helpful. And in particular, when I go on them, because I do them as well as a counselor and, you know, as a mom and, you know, I'll ask specific questions and they answer them and it's great. So it is accessible. And yes, in terms of student support services. So colleges have, uh, 
every school has an office of learning disability services, support services. Sometimes they're called, you know, access, uh, you know, access to excellence. You know, they all have kind of a name and you could find that on a website. But those people are accessible too. I mean, if anything, uh, you know, emailing them, asking them if you could set up an appointment to talk to them, if you have specific questions, just to feel out. Like when I visit schools or I call, or get in touch touch with learning disability services, you know, I just ask them, like, how does it work here? What does it look like? Uh, you know, how big is your staff? Um, you know, how, what are your hours? Where are you located? Are you in the library? Are you on the other side of campus? So if a student does need help, are they really going to go there, uh, you know, to get the help? So, you know, it's important for a family to invest in the process. Even if you're working with a counselor, you know, you will have to, if you really want, you know, to get into the weeds, that's what you have to do. You'll get your list of schools and you'll just, you know, and you know, maybe write an email and send the same email to all the schools. Like, I'd love to know a little bit more about your program. I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to talk to you. And these, you know, I've found that all of the people I've ever reached out to have been more than happy to have a chat or, you know, and I, I haven't had any Zoom meetings with them, but I'm sure that they would, some of them would be happy to do that as well. That's great advice. Yeah, I, I've heard that from others too. Because campuses are so closed or limited, that it's so much easier now to get people on the phone through an email. That they're, to your point, there's so much more access. What other differences or adjustments are you seeing for COVID and admissions, especially like for the junior class this year? How mm-hmm. is that going to be different through the application process, the acceptance? situation? I mean, how is all that going to go? So I will tell you, um, you know, because this is really right now is this current senior class that we're sort of in the weeds. Uh, you know, November 1st is coming up pretty quickly, November 15th. Uh, so I have seen a huge change in uh, college admissions, uh, like I've never seen before. One in particular has been, you know, like I said earlier in the conversation about uh, SAT optional schools becoming optional, test neat, test blind. Uh, where they don't even look at your test or optional where you could either send send or not send them. So on some level, that's been amazing for kids who do have learning differences or students who just aren't great test takers. I mean, I have... I have the gamut. I mean, I have students who are incredible test takers, you know, getting 1500s on their SATs, getting 33s on their ACTs. We're sending those scores. And then I have the opposite where I have students who have, you know, really high grades and SATs are just, you know, not that great. You know, either they were only able to take it once, test got canceled, you know, they, you know, families who went through tutoring and all of that, and uh, they don't send the test score. So in some ways, you know, the doors are open uh, a little bit more for students like that. So for this junior class, I think it's actually going to be very interesting. I don't know at this point what it's going to look like. There are tests that are um, currently the testing is happening. But a perfect example is my son's high school who was hosting an ACT for this particular weekend. We just got notification that it's canceled because of the school shut down for two weeks because of COVID. So that was for a whole group of, that was for seniors only. They were going to take the, the test. They are no longer able to take the test some of them that may have been their only opportunity to take the test. So my son, I signed him up for the December test because a part of me feels like 
let's just get it done early because the winter and the spring, we don't know what it's going to look like. And then if the schools are test optional again, which I'm actually like kind of hoping they are secretly that to me, it's, it's in a way it, you know, I love when schools go in that direction anyway, because they're looking at a student so much more than just a number, but I will, you know, uh, and then the flip side of that, um, they college admissions will also be looking more at uh, the kinds of classes students are taking the grades that students are getting in their in their core classes they'll be looking for students to potentially, uh, you know, what we call an upward trend. So maybe you had an 85 average in freshman year, hopefully you'll have an 87 in sophomore year and kind of climb up that ladder. So that's something that would be great. And um, even to challenge yourself in a, in a course. So even with a student who has some learning challenges, you know, you may want to say, okay, well, I've only had collaborative courses Let's try one next year without collaborative, without a special ed teacher in the classroom or, you know, let, let's see what that feels like, because that's maybe more college ready. So, you know, there's so many ways. Um, so as a mom of a junior, I know, I'm sorry, I'm going on and on. No, <laughs> um, not at all. Yeah. Great. So as a mom of a junior, you know, we don't know what the landscape is going to look like. I think it's really going to depend on what, uh, you know, what COVID looks like vaccine coming, you know, all of those factors will play into it. Uh, I mean, if I don't know, truthfully, I would say if I were to take a gamble, I would say that there may not be testing. The schools might continue to stay test optional, but there's really no guarantee. Yeah. I'm with you though. I kind of hope they do. And I've said that all along. I just feel like it just doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't give you a clear idea of who they are and what they're capable of. And and what kind of student they're going to make in your school. Um, you know, it's so, there's so much more than that number. And I'm, I know you know that. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> so this has been so, so helpful. Any final words of advice or tips for parents of high schoolers with learning differences without, as they start to think about a future with college or maybe college won't be in it, depending on what they decide. Yeah, I mean, similar to what I've been saying, I would say final words would be, you know, really figure out what's best for your family, you know, first and foremost, financially, right? If a student's like, I want to go to school in Hawaii and, you know, swim in the Gulf or whatever, I mean, that's lovely. But, you know, if the family says, well, this is what, you know, it's important for families to know, it's amazing how I'll tell a parent, Oh, do you know that the school is, you know, $80,000 and they'll say a year and they'll say, Oh, I had no idea. So, you know, you definitely shouldn't put a school on your child's list. If, if it's so out of, you know, going to put a family in debt or have to take out a second mortgage, you know, I really am very much against that. Um, I really think families need to be very realistic, but on the flip side of that, you know, there are schools that give money uh, to, to students, especially if, let's say, your student is really bright and maybe could get into some of these really top schools. But maybe if you take it down a notch, I always tell families, take it down one notch. A lot of these schools would love to have your child and would maybe give them 10000 or fifteen or $20,000. And then that school becomes the same cost as could even be a state school. So really do your work really know who your student is, uh, really know what they're capable of. And if you really think that college is not, you know, they're not ready for college, 
then talk about alternatives. If there's any year to take a gap year or to, you know, sort of figure things out, this is the time. This is definitely more common. I believe in the past doing a gap year would sort of be like, oh, you know, why are they doing a gap year? And now it's much more common to, you know, do different kinds of things. So know what's best for your family, know what's best for your child, do your work and do your research. And, you know, really, uh, I believe that will help you get through the process in a really uh, positive way. All excellent advice. And I love that you mentioned a gap year too, because I'm a big fan of that. Um, if it's right, you know, if it's right sure. for your, for your teen or adult, young adult. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, I'm going to include links in the show notes, but do you, for those who are just listening, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Cause I have a feeling people are going to be looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the best place is just, you know, click on my website. You could send me an email. Um, Betsy will put it in the, the notes, uh, link to my website and then, uh, reach out and, you know, I do offer, uh, you know, a free consultation, you know, sort of like a 20 minute chat, happy to, you know, kind of lead you in the right direction or see if, you know, you'd like to work with me or, um, you know, I have a a great team. So, uh, and then I do have social media too. So we'll put those links and uh, I'll be working this year to, to really provide some great tips and information for families. So you could please follow me on my social media. That would be great. And uh, yeah. Looking forward to meeting and hearing from, from all of you. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you haven't already, please follow me on social media and be sure to check out the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com where you can find all of the links and resources mentioned during this episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would be grateful if you would give me a review, a rating, and share it with a friend or two. That will help others find it. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.